going on, guys? My name is David Gibbs. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast resource dedicated to telling these stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communication profession. Uh, as I've already said, I am going to Cosida in June uh, here in D.C. Actually, not here, but, you know, other part of the country in D.C. So if you guys are going, uh, just let me know. We can meet up sometime at one of the socials afterward, or we can hang out sometime during the uh, actual event itself. Just let me know who else going. No, I'm not presenting. Uh, somebody asked me that. Uh, I'm not quite sure if they're having a podcast panel, but this year uh, I'm not presenting. I'm just going to go hang out, have fun, uh, learn some stuff along the way. So that's the point of that. Um, I'll make this kind of brief before we get into today's guest. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, iTunes, Google Play, uh, what's that called, Stitcher, uh, and even now Spotify. If you follow us on Twitter, which you can, at SportsInfoCast and Facebook, uh, you know that posted a picture of our podcast on Spotify. So if you're not somebody who likes to, one, listen to on our website, sidcast.fireside.fm, and you're a big Spotify person, you're in luck. One of the very few podcasts uh, in the world, out of the millions and millions that there are, who are on Spotify. I want to thank uh, Fireside for that, our host. Um, it's something I've always wanted to get on ever since the they kind of announced that they were in the works with that sort of thing as far as integration is concerned. Um, I was very excited and then very ec- ecstatic when I saw it finally on Spotify. So um, if you can go on there, leave us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. Email me anytime, sportsinfocast at gmail.com. And uh, as I've already mentioned earlier, follow us on social media at sportsinfocast on Twitter and Facebook. So today's guest is Tyler Brocious. Uh, approached me maybe a month, month and a half ago, and he gave me an angle about what he wanted to talk about. Um, usually I don't interview GAs and people who are just coming out of college. Um, but Tyler kind of approached me with this idea that he would share how he made the Bobcats uh, sport media group that he has up there at Quinnipiac University in Hamden, Connecticut. Um, and that was kind of intrigued me. And as we got to talking about it, it, it struck me that it was a fantastic idea, you know, taking students and being able to create kind of this impromptu uh, kind of, what what is that, creative services where people were making video, they were making photography. Um, their goal was to hit 25 million impressions over the year they hit that in December, and they ended up with over 50 million impressions by the end of this year. Um, I believe they're done with all their home events. Maybe a little bit of baseball or two left. Um, but other than that, it was, it was just fantastic to hear about, and I hope that you all would be able to kind of absorb and learn as much as I did in this episode. So we'll start off today with episode number 75, another 25 away from episode from triple digits, guys. That's insane. Probably will hit that. Now, that'd be insane if we hit that in October range, but I think it'll be more or less August. No, that would be September. I don't know. Not doing quick math. It'll just be it'll just be sometime in the fall. So we're, we're almost there. I got a cake for my 50th. I don't know what I'm going to do for 100. Probably nothing. <laughs> Ice cream, maybe. I don't know. But uh, we'll start off episode 75 today with Tyler Brocious of Quinnipiac University and the Bobcats with his very first taste of sports information right here on SIDcast. Um, you know, it 
it's interesting. The very first time I remember, you know, sports information, it was like I had no idea what it was until I got called to come do play-by-play by, at the time, our sports information director. And then it was like, whoa, what is this entire new world I had no <laughs> idea about? And as a journalism major in his sophomore year in college, who wasn't, you know, I wasn't a big student media kid. I didn't see the need in it. It was a whole new world, and it was literally the start of something really special. And now, almost four years later, it's like, okay, now that's awesome. And, you know, there's still parts of the sports info world that personally I can't stand, and there's parts of it that I'm absolutely in love with. Yeah, cool. Um, let, let's go back to kind of the, the, the bare bones basic thing uh, about it. So why did you pick Quinnipiac? Um, Quinnipiac, to be honest, it was the typical kid that grew up listening to Harry Callis in South Jersey, wanting to do play-by-play, wanting to be a journalist, wanted to be involved with sports somehow. Like, my mom still jokes that, like, I'll still play video games today, whether it's Madden, MLB The Show, and I'll still do play-by-play for it, whether it's by myself or somebody else. Like, I'll do it every single time. And all my friends think it's hilarious, but that's how I got my start. So I knew I wanted to get in that field. So it was like, obviously, I applied to Syracuse, got waitlisted, their loss. Went to Northeastern, wanted to go to Northeastern, got denied, their loss. Wanted to go to BU because my twin brother, who was who's just too 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 brilliant, we both got we both wanted to go to BU. Of course, he got accepted like on a full ride. I got denied. Really interesting (laughs) Thursday morning in the household that day. Um, And then I ended up at Quinnipiac, and it was one of those things where we toured me between my twin and I. We toured like thirty different colleges. The only two we didn't tour were. Boston College and Quinnipiac, and of course, my brother went to BC and I went to Quinnipiac, and it was the two best decisions we always joked that we've ever made. And my dad still kind of busts our chops because he didn't have to walk all those miles now if you just would have listened to him. Yeah, cool. Uh, let's talk about kind of that mentality for a second. I, I like that a lot. I'm all I'm that guy that kind of researches uh, kind of positive thinking and things like that. Uh, so. How do you think that that kind of their loss mentality is going to kind of help you out in the job search world? It's crazy. Like, as you're someone who's 22, like, there's some days where I I know my limitations. There's some days I'm as immature as a 12-year-old, and then there's some days my mom's like, why do you act like you're 55 years old? Like, tonight I literally made dinner, like, watched television, and I was like, ooh, I could take a nap or fall asleep at 8 o'clock tonight. Uh And then there's some days where, like, my mom still has to tell me to pick up my laundry, and I think that's the power of being 22. And that whole idea for me is their loss is, like, I have a swagger about me. Like, that's just kind of the person I am. And, you know, a lot of people have always told me I can't do this. I'm too loud, ADHD, this, that, and the other thing. Like, I'll just blow it up in their face. Like, you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to go out and not only do it, but I'm going to run up the score. And that's kind of, like, been our mentality. And I've I've kind of adapted that into the people I'm around at Quinnipiac, and we've all kind of grown with that. You know, you tell us not to jump. We're going to jump, and we're going to jump really, really high. Yeah, cool. Uh, just, Just so you know, I did the exact same thing. I put my TV on mute, and I would put uh, the control. I, I don't know what it's called. Like, let the AI verse each other, you know? Oh, yeah. And NCAA football, and I, and I would call the games there. Um, my parents are getting rid of the old Xbox, which has the very last edition of NCAA football. And I was like, don't get rid of it. I'm like, I need that. <laughs> I'll take it, man. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you kind of mentioned that your twin. Is he kind of like the polar opposite of you? Yeah, it's really crazy we're identical twins but like complete mirror twins like he's not a you know he's not a brainiac like quiet kid but he's much more quieter much smarter much more analytical and i'm more like the creative side of the brain like 
I have no time for numbers. I don't really believe in, like, I feel like rules can, you know, if there's a reason behind them, you don't need to always follow them. I'm much more creative about going loud. Like, my mom still swears, like, somehow, someway, we're not identical. And, like, if you even see us, we don't even look identical. But then there's moments where, like, we'll say the same exact thing at the same exact time. And a lot of our, you know, like, our little idioms and the way we do things is very similar. Yeah, awesome. So uh, how do you kind of explain to him and explain to your family what you do? It's interesting. It depends. Like my dad gets it. My dad doesn't have a Twitter. He just goes on Safari and like searches my whether I'm if I'm running women's basketball that day or athletics or anything, um, or he'll just search my own Twitter handle and just stalk me. Like my mom <laughs> totally gets it, and then like my brother he gets it, but like they're just kind of confused by like how everything is built into one big pizza pie. Like how's it stats? How's it writing? How's it PR? How is it dealing with news organizations and how is it Twitter and like how and social media as a whole? Like how does this all make up just one job? And I'm like, yeah, it kind of doesn't make any sense. But at the same time, when you're in it, it totally makes sense. Yeah. So I kind of uh, posed a similar question like this to you beforehand. But you, like you kind of mentioned, you were a sophomore in college, journalism major, didn't know anything that this sports information world actually existed. So what would have been the best way, do you think, and even now to kind of, show students and people like sports journalists who want to be sports journalists that, hey, there's this whole new world out there. And that's the thing. And that's what we started this year. It's the Bobcat Sports Media Group. So with the idea, I, as like a junior, was writing for our sports network at the time, which would be like the ESPN equivalent for Quinnipiac. And I wanted to cover a kid getting drafted, Chase Prisky. Well, I met with the sports information director at the time. He was like, why not, instead of writing this amazing feature, you're going to spend the entire day with him. We're going to give you all this access. Why don't you write it for our site? So the piece came out. Everyone really enjoyed it. Everyone thought it was really different. And it was then I looked and was like, why aren't we doing this for other things? Like, this cannot just be a one-time thing. But then again, at this time, this was last year, I was a senior in college. You, you don't slack off, but there's just other obligations you want to be a part of. Like as much as I would love to write 40 features that year, I only wrote four or five and they were really good. They took a lot of time, a lot of effort, and I really enjoyed it. So then we came up with this mentality this year, knowing I was coming back, knowing that I had a social media, video content, content creation obsession. It's the best way to put it. Like whether I'm stalking the way Clemson's covering the foot, you know, the NCAA championship or how Nova's covering their championship, like I want to stalk what everyone's doing and try to top it. And that's just coming from a, you know, a quote unquote small Mac school like Quinnipiac. And so it came off with this idea of like, let's start a media group. We have amazing journalism, amazing PR programs in the school of communications at Quinnipiac. Why aren't we taking these kids? And we have this work study budget. Why aren't we giving it to kids that can actually create content for us rather than say the math major that comes and presses the scoreboard, you know, for balls and strikes at baseball games. If that person's getting paid $10 an hour, why can't we pay the same amount to someone who can make a full-blown feature video on the first baseman or do a sights and sounds of the day? And so that whole idea kind of was our mentality going into this year, and it really blossomed from the from the get-go. From the first meeting, I literally looked at everyone. I was like, listen, guys, here's the deal. We're creating something really, really fun, really exciting. We need a level of professionalism. At the same time, I understand you guys are college kids. I understand there's going to be a week where you go, listen, I know I said I do X, Y, and Z, but schoolwork popped up, and I need some. I need to get bailed out. Hey, I just really want to go out with my friends tonight. I get that you can't cut the highlight, but at the same time, we're gonna we're gonna demand something from you that you know a normal club, a normal student organization 
isn't demanding. And I, it, it, looking back on it almost eight months later, it blew expectations out of the water. Yeah, awesome. We'll get to more of that here here in just a little bit. But um, let's go back to kind of when you did play-by-play for Quinnipiac, and, and then you were like, well, what, what is this? Uh, so what were some things that the SIDs had you do, you know, kind of kind of in the very beginning? Did they ease you into it, or did they throw you in the fire? So kind of a little bit of both. So coming out of fall, I was traveling a lot with field hockey, doing all their play-by-play in their last season in the MAC, and I continued doing all their play-by-play along with soccer, whatever need to get filled. And so, you know, whatever need to get done, I would do it. But then came winter time, we'd hire out for people to do play-by-play for the radio, and then it would simulcast on our website. Now it's through ESPN3. So there was a kind of, you know, in, in senior and junior year in college, there was a little hole in my pay because, you know, I still need to get paid. I was a work-study student at the time. And I started with shot chart at hockey games. And I have terrible handwriting. Couldn't do that. <laughs> started. Then I went, moved over to be a caller. I just wasn't fast enough. And I knew that at the time I wasn't good at I, the stats part of things wasn't appealing to me. So I talked to the SID at the time and I said, you know what? There's all these video capturing devices. Why don't we start gifing and capturing video of the goals and putting them out on Twitter? Like basically let me run social media for the hockey games. And luckily enough, between that and that was the year our two hockey programs, I think, lost a combined sub-10 games on the season. Like, ridiculous year for both. Both made it to the NCAA tournament. Our men's team made it to the Frozen Four. It was one of those special years, and I was able to really, at the time, start revving up our social media in a way that the parents at home loved it, the fans at home loved it. We were having fun with it, and that kind of led us led me to where I am today in a completely different light. So it was kind of a little bit trial by fire, but it was like a fire I started. And I was like, Hey, just look, that's going to be fine. I, I started that fire. Just let me, let me control it for the next few weeks. Yeah. Uh, so do you have a favorite broadcasting story? Oh, there was a ton. Um, the first, I think my favorite was, you know, the funniest was I was put on a call with a GA at the time. He was a great guy. I just knew I could have a little bit more fun. So I was like, Hey, to the sports information director, let me bring my best friend on the call, who was also a journalism student. So, of course, we made the sport of field hockey the most electric thing we could possibly <laughs> make it. Whether it was a 0-0 game going in the half and we were talking about what sandwiches we were going to eat after the game. like The parents understood that we knew all the rules. We took it very seriously, but at the same time, we were going to have fun with it. So we ended up traveling with them all the way to the MAC. And I'll never forget their head coach or assistant coach. I think it was associate head coach, Cheryl Canada, looks at us right before the game of the semifinals at the MAC, and she goes, just a reminder, guys, if the clock goes zero and it goes into a penalty corner, the game does not end. And we're like, yeah, thanks for that. We'll use that all the time. That's so helpful. The game is tied. It goes 0-0 at the end of the game, and Quinnipiac's awarded the penalty corner, and Lily Shimo or Savannah Riley, one of our field hockey players, ends up scoring on the penalty corner. So, like, as much as a buzzer beater you can get in field hockey. Electric call. We didn't know at the time that the Mac live feed dropped, so everybody was listening to us through the radio feed we were running. So it was just, like, a perfect storm of <laughs> We knew exactly what was happening, what was going on. Like, And probably you can go back to the call. We were probably joking Still having fun up to the minute. I was like, I just remember me going, I can't breathe. Somebody had, and they had like cranberry juices from the hospitality suite. I was like, Justin, pour one of those cranberry juices right on my head. <laughs> and so we were still having fun with it from the beginning. And it was it was one of those days like I'll never forget. Um, you also kind of interned with Barstool Sports. Uh, I got kind of two-pronged question for you. One, how did you get involved with it? And two, uh, explain what it is for those that don't know it or don't understand it. 
Um, I got involved basically. It was my freshman year, and they started their viceroy program, where they were, you know, looking for people to come run social media accounts specialized to your school. So I ran that for a year or two, and they, you know, they always had some of their parties um, at Toad's Place. So as you know, as the representative for Quinnipiac, Toad's Place is five miles, six miles down the road in New Haven. I was able to interact with some of the marketing people and you know some of the bigger names there, and I was like always said like, hey, if Philly needs anybody. You know, I live locally in South Jersey when I'm not in Connecticut. Like, I'll, you know, intern for you guys, whatever you need. And I actually ended up taking a UFC job, which was just not what I signed up for. The guy was, you know, as typical college student, it was just not the right internship. Quit within the day. And I literally thought to myself, well, my life's over. My first internship was terrible. I can never recover from this. <laughs> um, and the next day, Barstool came calling and was like, hey, Philadelphia needs help can you write some blogs and can you help run the golf outing? And I ended up becoming probably one of, I think the youngest, probably if not the youngest, but one of the youngest writers ever in the blog's history. And for people who don't know whether it's, you know, I, it's growing every single day. It's basically a media place. Um, they got podcasts, blogs, videos, and it's, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. It's, it's out there a little bit. And, you know, and that's always popped up in my world of athletics. You know, I've, I ran with a Twitter handle, Barstool Broche, for many years and then, you know, come back into the corporate world. And some people come up to you at sporting events and they're like, whoa, you work for Barstool. And other people come up and they go, whoa, you, you work for Barstool. And they're not they're not as thrilled about it. So it's been a balance in my life. And I always tell people whether you're Barstool worrying about Quinnipiac or you're Quinnipiac worrying about Barstool, if you can't handle that I work for a company you might not see eye to eye with and not see the benefits that I've taken from there – um, that's on you. I, the Barstool gave me my first ever shot and I'm forever thankful for them. And it's always going to be a place I'll always want to go back to in the long run. Awesome. Um, and before, without getting too much into it, what kind of did you take, you kind of mentioned it was a media company. Uh, what did you take from what you learned with your internship there and, and applied it to the Bobcat Sports Network? So that first was like, I was running social media there, and that's different than running social media for an athletic program. It was a lot more like, hey, check out all these booze these kids bought, and it's stupid, but you still have to have a keen eye for what your, your market and your target group is. And so at the time, I was running more followers and up there and impressions and engagement up there with the likes of UMass, UMichigan, UTexas, these crazy – I was beating out giant schools, to like literally tens and 20 times our size of – undergrads and it was one of those things where i was like yeah i kind of got that you know i can do anything i want mentality and that little bit of excitement and swagger and that let me knew that i was in a place where i really wanted to be successful when it comes to social media it kind of revamped my you know kind of charged me up and said you know i can do this and so when quinnipiac came calling about social media and that perfect storm happened with hockey it was pretty seamless to move into that role yeah awesome cool uh yeah whether you like that type of thing or not still kind of a marketing genius type of thing in my opinion um, yeah so uh let's kind of fast forward a little bit to how you got your ga ship um were, were you kind of looking around or did you really want to stay within quinnipiac or, or or can you describe life at that time so it was like march and I, at that time i knew my world was switching up to instead of, you know, I, I was never going to be a sports journalist. I was never going to be Walter Cronkite. You know, I have a love for play-by-play, but I think there's better people out there. That's just the way it is. And I, I'll tell you straight up, there's probably better kids on campus than me. 
And so I looked around and I had one final job interview with the Yankees to run, be their head of digital and social media. And it was very in the early preliminary stages. I talked with Barstool a little bit. They were still growing in the roles I wanted to be in behind the scenes weren't there. And then I talked to the sports information director at Quinnipiac and it was, you know, it wasn't a fallback by any means, but it was, you know, I've tested the waters and I think I want to get my master's and I can help this place grow. This is, you know, Quinnipiac always is and always will be like a second home to me. I wanted to be there and saw what we started and I knew what we could take it to the next level when it comes to social media and digital content. And it was something pretty seamless right away. I think within two weeks, I met with the director of the online program because I wanted to be sure I could travel with teams and not have my classes disturbed. And right away, I think within about 10 to 15 days, I applied for grad school, got in, signed the GA papers. And I'm one of those people where like the start, I might be, you know, a little iffy right out of the gate, worried about things. But then as soon as I get involved in something, I'm a hundred percent. And literally up until probably three days ago, I was putting in 18 hour days doing whatever we need to get done over there. Yeah. Awesome. Um, last question for you about your background before we move in or move on. That is, uh, to something else. Uh, you kind of got a minor in entrepreneurship. Well, what was the reason behind that? And what do you plan on doing with that? My reasoning behind that is because um, if you know me, you know pretty well that I don't like being told what to do. Uh, my mom also owns her own business. My father owns his own business. So I come from a pretty entrepreneurial family, and I wanted to get a business minor. And when you have a twin brother and older brother who both majored in finance, they're always like, you got to get a business. You got to get some business in there. Journalism, oh, God. And so you know how that goes. And so I need. I knew I needed some business, and they were really interesting classes. I got a little bit of social media, a little bit of marketing, a little bit of web design. It was everything I wanted. And then some, and I also got the whole, you know, if I had to ever run the numbers on something, I know how to do that now. It was really the perfect storm. And it's just another, not to just, you know, pump the tires on Quinnipiac, but it's just a cool little, you know, there's majors involved in it. You can really, it's an interesting way to get a little bit of everything. Okay, cool. Uh, I, I saw that and I had, we've had a lot of guests on here. Nobody's really ever had that before. So I just <laughs> wanted to kind of ask you about that a little bit, but let's move on to, to, to something that you, you've already mentioned here on the show. Um, the Bobcat Sports Media Group, you already mentioned it a little bit, but I want to go back to the idea, the inception. Did you use that entrepreneurial spirit? I mean, what were the conversations you had to have with your bosses? Uh, how, can you spare no details as far as that's concerned? Um, well, the former SID kind of came up with the idea. It was kind of like a brainchild that was talked about for a couple of years, like even my senior year, so probably 2017 late 2016, it was like, we have all these student media kids and nothing against them. There's a school, school paper. There's, you know, the new station, which has their, their sports department. And there's these kids that work like ESPN called QBSN. All these kids are absolutely brilliant. And the idea was, why don't we have, why don't we tap in, not into that, but why don't we offer the opportunity to learn about something else? Allow these kids, we never, ever tell a kid, hey, you have to come work for us, but don't work for anybody else. We keep their options open. So we just told them always come to the, you know, not the different side of things, but allow them. And it was something that was kind of talked about, talked about. And then finally we just unleashed it. And we had all these kids that applied. I had, you know, kids that were starting. There was found, I call them the founding fathers of a few kids last year um, that came up to me and was like, I want to like work for you as a work study, but like I want to edit videos. And I was like, okay, there was one kid who, was stealing our footage and was making hype videos. And we were just like, 
and his name's Matt Schindler. He's been with us the longest out of everyone. And I was just like, Matt. And our SID at the time was like, Matt, like, you're stealing our footage. They're really amazing videos. Why don't you just make them for us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of what the thought process was. It was like, and everyone just kind of had a different tinge. And now it went, you know, the first meeting, it was 15 kids. And by the end of the year, we were at 27 kids. And for me, I always knew the goal was simple. I never wanted 70 kids in the room and 10 were going to do all the work. Every one of the 27 kids that were in the room were doing something, whether they were freshmen or graduate students. Every single kid was getting involved. Every single kid was taking photos, video editing. We had different majors in there. We had a finance major that turned all the way into our head of video, our, our main videographer for the women's basketball teams, NCAA run. Um, that's a really fun story we can get into. And, you know, we have a nurse. The girl text emailed me one day and was like, Hey, I just love my Nikon with my entire heart, and I think I'm pretty good at photos. She showed up. She shot our senior days. And you know, as an SID, like the money you spend on professional photographers sometimes is absurd. And we were mm-hmm. – not that we were cutting costs, but these kids were able to work for you know a little bit less than the professional t- photographer rate and were giving us very, very good work to make graphics, just regular photos on the site to have for rosters. It was amazing. And it's just incredible. And it just kind of goes off that mentality. They were, it was just passion. They had passion all the way through and we were, we've had a ton of fun. Yeah. Uh, so what, what's been your role in the group so far before we move on to anything else? So we like to call it, it's technically the director of the Bobcat sports media group. Okay. I like to call it team dad, um, <laughs> sports information. We have three SIDs next year. We'll probably have four. Um, we have two, three GAs, including myself. And so I basically will hold the meetings Monday night. I'll gather all the information from the sports information directors and the GAs who also serve as sports information directors for certain sports. And whether that's a feature story, a preview that needs to get done, or we know what highlights need to get done for the game. And so basically every game will have a preview video, a post-game video, a feature usually with it, whether that comes after or before, and we have a kid running social media at every game, at least home games. So I sit down, I'll meet with them. We're in a big classroom. I write it all on the board. Hey, who can do what? Who wants to do this? And they all kind of work together planning out the week with me. And then secondly, I'm the, the, the man on call, for lack of better terms. If I had a dollar for every time one of them texted me saying, hey, is, the, is it all right? The highlight, who's, what's supposed to be 130, is supposed to be 120, is actually a minute 26. It's like, yeah, that's – it's fun. four seconds. <laughs> so like I save the sports information directors the headaches of dealing with – all that, and pretty much coordinate everything. They come to me, I'll copy edit, I'll look everything through before it gets posted, when, or it has to get, you know, I can get them in contact with our video people, our sports information guys, and I can kind of coordinate everything so it takes off that stress so we can still produce the content without our sports information people having to be bogged down by the sophomore who's making the women's golf video saying like, Hey, how do you say this name? I can tell them and different things like that. I just make sure everything's running smoothly. And then game days, it all depends. I oversee this year. I worked with field hockey. I was their main SID women's basketball. I was helping out and women's lacrosse and acrobatics and tumbling. So I serve as an SID, but I also oversee all the social media for all the 21 varsity teams. So a lot of the stuff that we're doing is producing content for social media. So a lot of the time the kids are dealing with me one-on-one. Uh, what's been the biggest challenge as far as managing that group? I think I think if I, any SID is listening and they're weary about 
you know, signing kids roles or hiring kids, they're all amazingly talented. Nothing we would be able to do this year would be without these amazing kids that are not only super talented, but they're super devoted, super passionate, and they kind of get it. We had this idea this year was, does this person get it or did they not get it? And all the kids did. And I think first, you have to remember there's going to be little hiccups. I mean, the biggest problem we had this year, I kid you not, was one of the kids went up to what we call our university club. They're like our club box seats up in. And you can kind of walk through there, go down an elevator to grab the waters for press row. He may or may not have stuck his hand in the giant bag of popcorn that the ushers use to give out to you club members, which are usually high-priced donors. You know, it's a very fancy, it's club uh-huh. box seats. And, of course, the lady saw him, and he got in trouble. But then again, if you look through eight months of work and almost – we literally – I think we will we hit 50 million impressions this year through social media. You'll take the kid sticking his hand in popcorn <laughs> once a week, let alone once the entire year. So the kids all had an understanding. and But at the same time, you have to remember little things like that are going to happen. And in the grand scheme of things, if you have to – you know, we had some problems with kids on social media, and you kind of have to remind them, like, you're not at a school club anymore. You know, this isn't just the student media organization. You're, you're representing the athletic department, and the kids love that. When they when they get a polo or a coach treats them to a T-shirt and they can rock a Quinnipiac soccer polo or Quinnipiac women's basketball hoodie around campus, they're looked at as part of the team. Granted, that comes with a lot of responsibility. But I think as the kids grow and they move on, they really, really thrive in that. They love the responsibility. They love the ownership of really taking, you know, not only a hold of their work, but the way they're looked at on campus. And I think our group, especially this year, we're amazing at it. So I think you have to have trust with kids. You have to understand that some days they're just they're going to throw you a curveball. Like they're going to tell you at 7 p.m. Sunday night they'll have the video for you at 9 a.m. on Monday. And come 11, they're just going to tell you that it's not even close to done. That's just something that's going to happen. And I think that sometimes it was lost this year that when you're dealing with college kids, you're not dealing with freelance professionals. You're dealing with college kids, and they still will act like college kids. But if you get that and you treat them like adults while still understanding that they're college kids, you're going to come out really, really successful. Awesome. Uh, Let's talk about some responsibilities and that ownership and and working with those students. Uh, You kind of mentioned that – you had 15 students in the beginning. You you expanded that to 27 at the end. So what were some things that you assigned? I mean, did, and I know that this can kind of be kind of a hefty question, but as far as administering roles to people, maybe applying it to their strengths and their weaknesses, uh, how was that like trying to walk that line a little bit? So that's actually an amazing question. So I would break it down that we have four to five different things. We have written features, video features, we have um, photographers that are in – I like to call – they're in their own little class. They have their own little group message. They come with the week already planned by the time they come to their – they just usually come. They crack a few jokes, and they're amazing. Two of the girls aren't even comm majors. One one of the kids is not even a comm major, and sometimes the other kid doesn't even show up. He just shows up the games. Like They work really hard. The photographers, I still don't say they never – photographers never get enough credit. And then you have the, what we call the sights and sounds kids. These kids have their own cameras. They have, um, they are, I would say, our best video editors and videographers. Um, if you go down on the Quinnipiac Athletic YouTube page, you click Sight and Sounds playlist, you'll see them all. Um, and they kind of have a different, they go with a more artsy approach, whether you would, you would probably see like pump up videos, but like 
you can really get instead of the normal interview like hey tell me about the third baseman who's having a really good year these kids are diving in they're covering every aspect of the game from two hours before to two hours later and that goes off into a great story where like that idea of sights and sounds which i think we've done probably close to 50 of them this year really hard edits and crazy work started with our head coach of the soccer team calling me at like nine o'clock friday night we were debuting a new stadium saturday at two for the men's soccer team and he calls me and goes what if we did like a little behind the scenes documentary from of, of the day tomorrow like you have full reign i was like eric i love you but like you do understand like you're giving me a, a behind the scenes possibly three four camera thing with four hours to go and it's 9 p.m and he's like yeah you'll figure it out and we did and we it turned into something beautiful and i was like these kids have a really good talent and so when we kind of realized that like we had something special in our hands and we weren't just going to do interviews. We weren't just going to do little stories. We were going to really hit it from an artsy content side of things. And from there we were off and running. Yeah. Awesome. Um, let's talk a little bit about the content that you, that you put out, uh, and how that's evolved over the past year. Um, again, kind of, kind of expansive kind of question, but you looked at kind of your, your market, your target market, the people that you were trying to reach. Uh, so what were some things that you guys kind of picked out, maybe some ideas that you had in the beginning that didn't pan out as far as, like you kind of mentioned, you had the sights and sounds. It's, it's brilliant. It's fantastic. But what, what were some other things that maybe you guys thought of um, and maybe how did you believe that they would be effective in your target audience? So I think what I kept telling the kids and – well, you'll hear me talk about a lot about one sights and sounds guy. His name is William Postari. He's turned into he was a soccer player, finance major, who took ridiculous photos and posted them on Instagram. Like had a knack for creativity. Like look, and I looked at him one day. I was like, "Why don't you come shoot photos for us in the rugby? We were hosting our third national championship for rugby in the NIRA." And he was like, "Okay." And he you could tell he had, was a great photographer, but he had a knack for video. So I and the one thing I always tell when talking to the coaches when it's whether it's getting access in the locker room, whether it's letting us come on trips, bring an undergrad on a trip. I said, do you want the best recruits? Do you want to lose a recruiting battle to someone else or do you want to win them? And they'll laugh because they know deep, deep down 15, 16, 17 year old kids. They want really good facilities. They want a really good place to learn. They want an amazing team. They want an amazing coach. But somehow, some way, the little added salt and pepper is what is this team doing on social media? And women's basketball was a great, great thing for that. And when you had Gino Oriema and his staff complimenting us this year, going up to our head coach, Trish Fabry, and saying, you know what? Really cool what you guys are doing on social media. You know you're doing something right when the holy mecca of women's basketball is realizing <laughs> it. And so for us, it was what can we do to be different? And how can we always elaborate you know, we're Quinnipiac, we're in the MAC, but let's run our content like we're in the SEC. Who's telling us we can't? And so this year we had a coach's corner, which you mentioned, like, some things that didn't work that well. I think we just didn't plan it out well enough, you know, when, and, yeah. you know, and I think if we had a little bit more planning, it's going to come back next year. Someone like Baker Dunleavy, who comes from Villanova, he gets all the glitz and the glamour, he gets lighting, he gets it all. So he's really amazing to work with. And that goes to my next point. None of this is possible without our coaches. Like, it's pretty hard to call your women's basketball coach up who's, you know, who went all the way undefeated in the MAC and say, listen, I'm going to bring an undergraduate kid on the bus, travel, got to get him a flight to Michigan with us, and he's going to stay with us for five days. He's going to shove a camera in every one of your players' faces 
practice games in the locker room. And there we were five months later, and he's the lone representative for us, videographer for the NCAA tournament. And like, we all became part of the team. And so stuff like that was really important. You know, once coaches buy in and the players get what we're trying to do, it will help sell to recruits. And I think that's what sets it apart. Our market's always been recruits. It will always be recruits. Yes, we want the fans and the parents to see their kids being awesome and happy. But when it boils down to it, we're selling recruits. And this is what what's amazing. Come be a part of this amazing program. If you're not, you know, it's something that they couldn't see on their own, maybe on a visit. And for that, I think the big thing is, is just, you know, you got to evaporate and you got to adapt. You know, you got to say, hey, that was good, but let's maybe get rid of that. Like, maybe let's not waste every. We don't have to rush and worry about preview videos for every single Mac game. But we probably should make sure we're featuring the player who's playing really well. Let's do a little video feature on them. Whether it's, hey, this kid's really scored 10 goals. Oh, and he also likes to paint and take photography. And he has this ama- he's an amazing mathematician. Let's tell the other stories that are not being told by everyone else. And that's something else we looked at this year. Uh, two more questions before we got to move on. So this is this sounds great. This sounds fantastic. Um, say an SID that's listening to this thinking, this is great, as I just mentioned. Um, I want to do this. And so what would you say to those SIDs who want to do this but have to kind of get the approval or maybe have to talk to their boss first? What are some things that they can say to kind of convince their higher-ups that this is a great idea? You lay it out on the line and you pretty much say, hey, and, you know, I've talked to the athletic director, the assistant athletic director this year, and they're just insane. We set a goal of 25 million impressions for the year by May. We hit that December 4th. We hit 50 million impressions by May. It was something we doubled it almost 214 percent raise from last year. We And you got to look and say, hey, we don't have especially for smaller colleges that maybe are still running off a early 2000, late 90s pay grade for sports information. And you got to say, guys, unless you're going to hire people that are going to help me with the graphics, with the social media, with the video content, let me hire kids that are in, in most schools have work study budget. Grant, I think we've probably have gone over it a little bit this year. <laughs> and you got to say, why aren't we using this budget for people that instead of the girl, you know, or the kid that I love them. I, we have still the same work study kids that, are going to show hung, show up hungover on Saturday afternoons and they're just going to run the shot clock and they're going to mess it up. I get that. That happens. But why not use this budget for these kids that can create amazing content? Now, it's a little bit harder in schools that don't have communications programs or journalism programs. But if you have that, say, hey, we have this vast, vast amount of talent at our school. Can we use this to help better our athletic programs and get the better recruits and make sure our coaches are happy? Yeah, awesome. Um, so what are some goals that you have for the next year? The next year, it's interesting. It depends if you're talking to me personally or from the group. Um, um, we'll do both. How's both sound? Both sounds awesome. Personally, I want to just be happy. And I think that this school year was so amazing. And even with the little bits of down parts I've had, the amazingness is that when you get to show up to work every single day, and it's not a very hard job. You work with sports and you work with amazing people. It's the best job truly in the world. And we were able to grow exponentially. Personally, for me, I want to get a job, whether it's at Quinnipiac or somewhere else. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge to any school that wants me huh. to come run this program. I will come do it willingly. Um, or 
there's you know still opportunities at Barstool and another one with my other company at Transition, um, pretty much a PR firm with sports players. I want to you know I I want to grow up. I want to get a job and I want to have some fun. And for the group, if I'm back next year, the sky's the limit. We've already started to plan. You know what we missed this year was. Um, the idea of really creating a brand of it. We had sights and sounds videos, we had feature videos, but why are we doing this? Why do we not have a hashtag like everybody else? So it's that next step of social media where I think we're we're here. We got to take it to the next level. It's really learning more, and I think shockingly, and you know, through my master's class, I've learned how to turn social media into impressions, into a brand, to some branded content, and start really making money for the athletic department when it comes to final score graphics and different things, highlights of the day, it's time to make all these impressions turn into dollar signs. And for the group, that's, you know, their goal. I've already talked to them at the end of the year, whether I'm back in September or I get a full-time job somewhere, that's our goal and everyone gets it. And I think that's, what's amazing is that I could leave right now and the group would be just as successful because what we've done in the past 12 months. Awesome. Uh, let's move on to some fun questions. I, I like to ask at the end. Uh, first yep. one I have for you, Tyler is favorite memory in your professional tenure? Favorite memory was probably cutting down the nets at the MAC tournament. Um, you get, you very, we went undefeated, literally since we broke, we all joked that um, there was a changeover in our office that me and our other GA, Tyrell, we took over the um, women's basketball team. We kind of spearheaded our best team on campus at the year, and we knew, we, we <laughs> it's scary, your first game ever with the women's basketball team, you already have a lot of pressure. My anxiety was already up. And two of our best players tore their ACLs in the same game. So you really, you know, and you know, you've been there. The first time traveling with a team is always a little uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. By the time I said, hey, let me bring this crazy undergrad kid with a camera and a man bun to Michigan. We won the second game. We lost to Michigan State, beat Central Michigan, went on like a, I think it ended up being a 22 or 23 game win streak. And then all the way till we lost to UConn in the NCAA tournament. But cutting down the nets and just having the coaches like like anybody else, and we were they were like, um, you all three are cutting down the nets. So me, Tyrell, and our G, um, undergraduate video guy will all got to cut down the nets, and that means more to me than anything. Just to be recognized by the coaches that really understand what we're doing, why we're doing it. That's second to none for me. What about on the other side of the coin? What's your biggest horror story? Oh, there's plenty. Um, <laughs> You know, there's just times where you just don't – there was one game where the laptop failed and women's basketball Sunday afternoon and you're, you're, you're jotting down what happened and you're literally a quarter behind, still trying to get stats out. That happens all the time. I think, like, I, from the media group standpoint, I think besides the pop we, – we named it Popcorn Gate um, with all <laughs> our friends. Like, that was, like, the only real bad situation we had. Um, I've had a really – I've been lucky. I haven't had many of those moments before. Um, it's been really all positive. Uh, what's one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession? Um, first of all, become one with After Effects, Photoshop, the, the entire Adobe suite. I'm sorry for anyone who's a big stats person, but I personally think stats are dying. They're dead. And as a sports information person, yeah, there's stats involved, but any school nowadays is probably going to hire out to someone who could do the stats. You've got to become an Adobe Suite master, a complete, or you got to at least come up with the game plan. I'll be the first one to admit I'm not the best at Adobe Suite. I want to get better at it. 
But at the same time, when you can put the right people around you and you can come up with the idea, I always tell people, I have the map to get us to wherever we're going. I just sometimes need people to drive the car for me here and there. And so if you have that, if you're young, in high school you're interested, you're in college, even learning yourself on YouTube, teach yourself Premiere. Like our head of video for women's basketball taught himself Premiere in one night in um, <laughs> on <Yeah>. YouTube <laughs> at 5.30 in the morning texted me and five hours later he was making incredible videos and five months later he's up for a college media award so you know that just shows you it doesn't take a lot it just takes effort and always work your tail off work hard and have fun doing it the day you don't feel like you're having fun in this business you gotta kindly dip out there's other jobs out there yeah yeah completely agree um what makes a great sid great sid gets it and i've used that term a lot (laughs) they understand how to interact with the coaches and the players without acting like they're an assistant coach or a player you know they're not too friendly either which way but at the same time they get to know their coach whether it's a quirk whether they know that coach loves graphics stats about their players or videos and you got to be able to kind of be a master of all trades and secondly you got to be a good person because if you're going to go to every school, you're going to shake a bunch of hands with other SIDs, other athletes. One day, if you're not going to be that nice person, it's going to come back to bite you in the butt. And, you know, you got to go in with every attitude, you know, just that you're happy to be there. You're excited to be there and you're excited to get to work. Because if not, it's just not going to be successful. And I think the best SIDs I know are not only really knowledgeable, they're really excited to work. Uh, well, it's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession. I think I kind of already alluded to it, but I think Adobe, the Adobe Suites and I think graphics is a big thing. I've never been a big video guy, and anymore videos kind of have their own department right now in the athletic communications world. But I think you know graphics is where you really can make your money because I still think good photography and good graphics can sometimes overplay video. Awesome. Um, work-life balance, what do you do to have fun? Um, I have an amazing group of friends. Right now, it's been a lot of Fortnite. That sounds so millennial and so childish of me, but right now it has been. I love to cook. Um, every week when I'm not at you know work, I try to cook, especially if I know I have a crazy 40-, 60-hour work week ahead of me. I'm going to cook, and you know anything from chicken to you name it, I can cook it. And usually in the summer, my mom and grandma reap the benefits of that. Um, they're, that's why they're a little nervous. I might get a job and move out really fast. So they're a little upset. <laughs> yeah. I can't play that damn game to save my life. I can't, I, I just, I just can't do it. I think too fast. So, yeah. Oh gosh. Um, so next time someone is in, is it Hamden, Connecticut? Yeah, it's Hamden, Connecticut. <laughs> so that doesn't sound good, but the next time someone's in that area, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Ooh, all depends. Um, Eli's is obviously the go-to. The cheesesteak egg rolls and the nachos are delicious. Side Street has really good wings and cold beer if you're going that route. And then um, there's B&D, which is literally the greatest spot. It's about five minutes from the stadium. It's ran by a mother of two. She is literally my life savior. I literally left there last week, and I was like, should I just Venmo you $200 a month so you can stay? I just want to make sure you still have my money. An amazing breakfast there, and you know, and there's a Dunkin' right on the corner, which sounds so particular, but I swear they make the best coffee in America. Just that Dunkin' on the corner of Sherman and Whitney. Awesome. Well, as we wind down here, how do you feel about Philly's chances tonight? I I hope 
they could just pull one out <laughs> and then maybe just give me enough hope to watch um, the Celt, you know, watch game five. I, I Saturday really deflated all of my hope. Uh, I was hoping for Saturday would have been fun, but it happens. Hey, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. At this point, I can't really take anything else. Everything else is a bonus from here on out. Yeah, everything else is just gravy. Uh, that that's gonna be uh, your your headline on Thursday is trust the process. I've already made up my mind. Usually, I come up with that sort of thing about a minute or two before I post it, but no, I got that one that. in mind. I approve of that a thousand percent. <laughs> awesome. Well, if anybody you know had any questions about the group, had any questions for you, maybe want to follow up with you, what'd be the best way to do it? Um, Twitter. Literally, the jokes of my DMs are always open. Could not be any more true. It's at Tyler underscore Brosh B R O S H. Um, literally hit me up there anytime. I'm always looking to connect with other people, whether you're in the sports media world or just want to simply ask and pick my brain about anything else. I'm open to talk about pretty much anything in my life. So hopefully I'll hear from some of you and hopefully this episode was pretty good. Awesome. Well, I think it was, I enjoyed it very much. A lot of stuff we haven't really talked about ever before. So I think this will do very well. And thank you very much for coming on. No problem. Thanks, David. Well, guys, there you have it. I want to thank you all for coming in and listening. If this is your first time or maybe you're an experienced person who's listening to the show for a while, I do. I would like to ask of you to go over to wherever you get your uh, podcasts. Leave us a rating or review. Follow us on social media at SportsInfoCast on Twitter and Facebook. Email us anytime, SportsInfoCast at gmail.com. Next week, um, I met this guy last June, so it's been almost a year since I met Mike Holmes at uh, Cosida last year in Orlando, a guy from Georgia State. They just unleashed a um, new stadium plan. And not only that, but if you guys are uh, any big listener of the show, you know that I do like my upstart football leagues. We did have Dusty Sloan on a couple months ago to talk about his work in that. Well, now we have the, uh, what is it, the AAF, Alliance of American Football, and they're coming to Atlanta, and they will be in Georgia State Stadium which is really nice, uh, but I, I'm really excited to kind of let you guys, to one, talk to Mike, and two, let you guys hear the conversations that we have. So uh, I want to thank you all for listening. Hope to catch you all in the next episode.